In the very early days, we, we really were building custom software. So uh, we're a Microsoft house and this is in the days, you know, .NET was, was coming out and it was really very early. We were building custom software using you know, Microsoft SQL Server, .NET for each company one at a time. And, and we learned a lot through that approach. And then that eventually led to us launching the SaaS platform that we have today. And, and that is obviously a genuine product. We really launched this SaaS product around just a couple of, of main customers. We had one big customer in the US, one in the UK, and we worked very closely with them to actually build the product and, to your point, an MVP. I'm Andrew Butt, co-founder and CEO of Enable. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Lampart, and today how Andrew Butt created the best way to maximize performance of your B2B deals. All this and more on Code Story. Andrew Butt always dreamed of being an airline pilot. And his passion outside of tech is just that, flying. He spent more time in helicopters over planes, and he enjoys that more. His family relocated to San Francisco 18 months ago, and they have been pretty much under lockdown since that time. He and his wife have been doing the normal things during lockdown, surfing the web, hiking, etc., but mostly keeping to themselves. In flying school, he met his co-founder, growing a distribution company in the U.K., They discovered a problem firsthand around trading agreements and incentives between companies. The problem was so much so that they found a need in the industry and set off to build a product to solve that problem. This is the creation story of Enable. Enable is a software platform for uh, distributors, retailers, and manufacturers to create trading agreements between each other and to really create incentives that relate to buying and selling. So so it's really to facilitate kind of trade through the supply chain, getting getting products from manufacturers to end customers and all of the trading agreements and incentives around that. So that's what Enable is, is all about. Uh, it's, it's growing very rapidly and I was bootstrapping this in the UK until 18 months ago and then came out here to San Francisco. We had really demonstrated some good initial growth and we decided to raise some venture capital and use that to accelerate things even further. So it was actually through the flying school that I met my co-founder, a guy called Dennis Short, and he was a very successful UK and still is a very successful UK entrepreneur and was building and growing a distribution company. And this, this became really the biggest distributor in the UK for health, beauty and household products. So that was growing very significantly. And these trading agreements and incentives were a core part of what he was managing and where a lot of the the margin was. So we kind of discovered this problem firsthand within his distribution business and, and then realized how big the need was to do this for the industry. Well, tell me about the MVP. Tell me about that first product you built, how long it took you to build and what sort of tools you use to bring it to life. In the very early days, we we really were building custom software. So uh, we're a Microsoft house, and this is in the days uh, you know .NET was was coming out, and it was really very early. And so we were building custom software using you know Microsoft SQL Server .NET for uh, each company one at a time. 
and and we learned a lot through that approach and then that eventually led to us launching the SaaS platform that we have today and and that is obviously a genuine product um, and we really launched this SaaS product around just a couple of, of main customers. We had one big customer in the US, one in the UK, and we worked very closely with them to actually build the product and, to your point, an MVP. So in the early version, when you're building those custom applications per, you know, per customer, um, would you consider that that was your MVP? Well, I think it was just the early learnings, really, of starting to understand what people's requirements were. But no, I think the MVP was the genuine SaaS product that we built later and and just really a core kind of uh, uh, engine, I guess, um, that, that a couple of companies were using. So that was the MVP. And and then we were kind of bolting things on for those early customers and over time grew the, the service area of the whole product. So with that MVP, then, so that first SaaS product, the core product, what sort of decisions and trade-offs did you have to make? And what, you know, whether it be like feature cut or technical debt, and how did you cope with those decisions? We definitely have tried to be very focused, and and the space that we're in, which again is managing these kind of trading agreements and and incentives and rebates, is quite narrow. So some people we talk to, some investors, for example, kind of say, "Is that really? Is it really a huge market for that? It seems very small." And actually, there is a huge market, and that's something we can demonstrate very quickly. Um, but nevertheless, keeping narrow and trying to keep the surface area focused was important. So I say that's something we did. And again, while bootstrapping, of course, we were very constraint uh, on capital so we had to we had to do that from necessity and then i think some of the decisions and and compromises were we're processing a lot of scale so we go into a company we pull in all their transactions and then we have to compute those in a kind of real-time basis and in the early days we did run into some challenges where we would win a huge customer and there's a great fit in terms of features but when we brought in their hundreds of millions of transaction lines then we, we hit some performance problems and we kind of had to address those as they came up which was quite painful but uh you know, it's the usual kind of dynamic between features and and you know demand for more features versus things like performance and scale. So okay, so from that point, um, how did you progress the product? Where did you take it from there? How did you mature it? And uh, I'm interested too in how you went about that. How you built a roadmap and figured out okay, this is the next most important thing to build. We we focused initially very much on distributors and retailers who were receiving these kind of agreements and incentives from manufacturers. So again, very focused and also around physical goods. So there's lots of other industries with non-physical, but we we got some early traction, in, you know, in DCS and our first customers in physical goods. And also there was a couple of specific industries. So for example, construction products is a huge area for us. And um, so so we, we tried to follow the old fashioned, you know, crossing the chasm type methodology and just stick very close to and you can imagine how deep that is. So B2B incentives in distributors, in construction. And and what then happened was we found there was a network effect because those distributors were wanting to bring their manufacturers, bring their suppliers onto the platform to, to collaborate with them around these incentives. And, and that naturally led to those guys saying, well, can we use this ourselves? So that was a good adjacency going from, from a distributor into a manufacturer. That makes sense. And it makes sense why they would want to feed in their suppliers to do the, to do the same thing. That's brilliant. Well then, let's switch off a roadmap and go into team. So tell me about how you went about building your team and what you looked for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you. 
So first of all, I really picked people I knew and had worked with before. So um, my kind of right-hand man who runs operations, which includes things like engineering and implementation and uh, those sorts of things. Um, him and I actually went to school together and we, we'd run businesses before. So he, he's a very capable and trusted person. And, and and then, you know, it grew organically really in those early days where we, we had recommendations, uh, people we, we from, from people we knew, and also we re recruited some graduates from, from some very good universities. We had like a training program so we could take people in who were very, very strong, uh, great attitude, very intelligent, but didn't necessarily have any experience or skills and actually teach them. So that was the early days. But then what happened was when we raised the venture uh, capital, we, we then looking to accelerate and go faster so what i looked to do was to bring in people that had kind of done that before uh, you know in silicon valley and taken a company from where we were to say at least the following couple of years at say triple year over year growth and and fuse that together so you've got kind of got the organic experience of what i'd built over time while bootstrapping then combined with that kind of done it before experience and that's that's worked well so far it's still early days but it's worked well so far Let's switch to scalability. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one, or are you fighting this as you grew? And you already touched on it a little bit. I want you to elaborate a little bit more. We, so we, we definitely have uh, been able to retain you know, quite a lot of what we've built over the, the period and in the early years. Um, but then we have had to refactor and rebuild certain parts. So I think there's no doubt we, we, we have had to kind of redo and rebuild key elements of our system. And it was more probably about getting functional fit and, and just getting started with, with a company uh, two and three and four, you know. And, and then as we've taken on more volume and, and so on, uh, then, then other factors around scale we've then had to invest in in kind of refactoring and rebuilding things along the way which i think is quite quite natural really and you look at what everyone you look at uh, pick the big names you know facebook i mean that definitely wasn't designed to scale was it and was rebuilt many many times yep oh yeah I'm, I'm not sure about facebook but i know uber was built as a monolithic back end and then they you know broke it into a gazillion microservices you grow with your growth well, Andrew, as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built with Enable. What are you most proud of? I mean, I think I think it's all down to people, isn't it? So the two things would be, I mean, we have to talk about our customers and, and their success and, and the support they've given us. But, you know, the customers we've built and, and launched and made successful. And then, of course, the team as well and to be honest that with the team you know we, we it's all about delivering value to customers as far as i'm concerned so the two come in hand, hand in hand but the the, t the team we've built and uh, kind of yeah what we've created there is is the is the ip you know that is what our customers have benefited from so i'd say building the customer base and building the team up maybe that's two things but equal equally strong you, you can be proud of as many things as you want to be that's great well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. It's probably, we talked about this a little bit earlier with focus and MVP and so on. I think a mistake is to go off off that and go off on a tangent and be led too much by by what what kind of one customer wants or by by some specific requirements and in the short term that's that's great or it, it seems great because you can keep a customer happy you can generate some more revenue and keep people busy building something but but in terms of the bigger picture of building a great company and a great product and something which which can become you know global and so on it's it is a mistake 
So too many times and for too long, we were to kind of let ourselves, allowed ourselves to be pulled in too many directions and didn't have a strong enough kind of uh, vision really of this is what we are and this is where we're going and we're not going, we're going to turn down and say no to these other things. Um, so I, I think that really cost us time if anything, where, where you know, in those early years, we, we did spend several years kind of getting to product market fit and we, we could have got there faster if we'd been more ruthless. And it would have been more difficult to fund and more painful financially because we're turning away revenue, but that would have allowed us to get, get on the kind of trajectory faster if we'd, if we'd been more, you know, said no more often. I think that's exceptionally hard when you bootstrap too, because you're, you, you're strapped for cash, you're trying to be scrappy, and you have this carrot come up for custom development or, or a little more, you know, less towards what you want to be in the long term. And you're like, well, that revenue could pay us today. So it's very difficult. Well, what does the future look like for your product and for your team? I mean, we are now in that venture-backed mode, which is very different. And we, we really are having a lot of success building market share you know, a lot of velocity quarter over quarter. And so we're winning a lot, a lot of new customers. And we have a path here to build a significant global business. You know, we've already moved from being only UK to now being UK and US and Canada, for example. We've got a big team, Canada as well. And we've got customers in Australia and all over the place. So so the future is bright and we're building, as I say, a truly global team and really creating a whole new category in this type of product. So um, we need to stay in that number one position which will be challenging and exciting. So, Andrew, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? You know, I'll be at a CEO, a CTO, an architect, really any person. Name a person that you look up to and why. One of the recent people who's caught my attention and I look up to very much is Frank Slootman, who now is the CEO of Service, sorry, of um, um, Snowflake. He was CEO of ServiceNow and and so on and and yeah that kind of real relentless focus on growth and in every in every sense uh, and and really about about leaning in and going faster and and creating a genuine high performance culture so again he talks about how most of us talk about a high performance culture and most of us don't really know what we're talking about but what you know a genuine high performance culture so that that I find very very inspiring and I, I look at the products and the companies he's led and the teams he's built and also the financial metrics and it's just really stunning stunning performance so we talked about a mistake um, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach? I mean, I, I think, again, it's it probably is similar to what I said before about having more focused, probably raising um, venture capital sooner um, and also probably relocating to the US sooner because, I mean, the UK has a lot going for it and, and we have a big team there and we're very invested in the UK and we've got great customers there as well. So it's, it's all good, but Silicon Valley is just on a completely different level. And the mindset of investors of really fueling top line growth at the, at the cost of burn, but knowing that there's a clear path to building a global business that will be very cash generative in the future. Whereas the UK is much more of, oh no, you have to be profitable this month. Well, if, you'll, if you do that, then it, you'll never grow and become a big, a big impactful company. So I think set, getting set up here in Silicon Valley and, and raising venture and being more focused uh, sooner, those are all things I would have done just a lot earlier than I did. Well, last question, Andrew. 
So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's about kind of uh, the most important thing is is being passionate about what you do, and and if you've got something there that you 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 know have that um, so that strong desire and something you really want to bring to life and spend all your time on, all your energy on, and just be completely obsessed over, <laughs> then 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 my advice is to pursue that, and any, anything is possible. Uh, you know, if you if you put if you have that conviction and put that that energy in, then anything is possible. But it's it's important to make sure you have that strength of conviction because otherwise it's just too difficult. And and you know I think most of us give up way too early because it's just not quite. We haven't quite got that burning desire, um, so I'd be let's you know be, be sure that this is the thing, and if it is, then then be very completely focused and obsess over it until you make it a reality. That's great advice. Well, Andrew, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Enable. Thanks for having me. No, it's great to be here. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash codestory for just five to ten bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.